Hawkeye insider David Eichholt, Sean Bach, following a outstanding game by the Hawkeyes in a 51 to 14 victory. Decisive might be underselling it, Sean. I think Iowa was nearly flawless on a lot of fronts, obviously a couple of dumb penalties, but I think there's a clear distinction that Spencer Petras can be the guy after what he showed tonight. Uh, we could probably take this, you know, a thousand different directions. So let's just start with our quick takes. Let's just go back and forth and, and see where this takes us. But what a national statement for Iowa on Friday night. Yeah, that was something else. And, you know, a lot of people coming into this game, Maryland fans especially, were considering this like one of the bigger games in Maryland program history, especially in the Mike Boxley era, because, you know, we talk about the guys they recruited. Obviously, they had a great 4-0 start. But, you know, a lot like more of the talk was about Maryland. And, you know, you saw from a national perspective, too. I mean, look at what the CBS guys did. They picked, I think it was five out of the seven people, yeah. five out of the seven experts on CBS Sports picked Maryland to win this game. And not just to cover the spread, they picked them straight up to win. And there were only two that didn't. And when I read that, I was like, whoa, like, okay, like, you know, maybe Maryland, like, you know, a solid team on paper from what they did, but it's like, who they really do it against? And, yeah. you know, they haven't really played a team like Iowa yet this year. And, you know, Iowa started out a little slow. I thought the offense definitely was in a groove early on. I thought that first drive, while it didn't result in a touchdown, was a really good drive. The defense looked a little spotty um, on that second defensive drive. But, you know, outside of that, after that, it was just complete, utter domination. You know, as we've said all along, that the defense is the best offense. While the defense was able to make those turnovers and put Iowa in good positions to score, I thought the offense played probably its most complete game of the season. And Spencer Petras, for sure, was a big part of that. I think this is his best game as a Hawkeye. We talked about the Illinois and Wisconsin game last year. And, you know, the first four games of this year have been, were pretty solid for him, but, you know, this game, especially I think could be, you know, not just the turning point. I, I don't want to say turning point, but I think this makes people feel a lot better about him going into conference play. No doubt. And I think you need to give, everybody needs to give Spencer a lot of credit. I mean, I, I don't know what more you could have asked of him and, on top of this, too, Sean, I did my quick hits, my column post game, uh, had it posted. I put the star of the game. I, I picked two. I couldn't pick one. I put Spencer and I put Brian Ferentz. I thought this was one of Brian Ferentz's best play calling days of his Iowa career. The game plan was, I, I thought, absolutely outstanding, whether it be using Arlen Bruce, the true freshman who really was a big part of the offense day, six receptions, got his first career touchdown. Played with a little bit of swagger, too. I mean, what him and Keegan Johnson have done early on, while it's not gaudy stat-wise, it's very impressive for an Iowa receiver to do that. And I think, he, obviously, they got big futures. I love the play-action rollout bootlegs with Spencer Petras and Sam Laporta. I think we saw at least, what, three, maybe four first downs just off those alone. Tyler Goodson had that 67-yarder. Just from a play-concept perspective at the right time, there were so many good calls from Brian Ferentz today. And if he can keep that consistently, I mean, that's what you need to see out this Iowa team going forward. And Spencer Petras, 21 to 30, and at least three of those were drops, by the way. I mean, I thought there was one, Tyrone Tracy, right in the numbers. I thought the downfield one, he had a Nico Regani should have been caught. And then Charlie Jones had that tremendous catch as well. But Spencer Petras, three touchdowns through the air, zero interceptions, 259 yards. Also had two touchdowns on the ground. He's the first Iowa quarterback since Brad Banks had multiple passing touchdowns and multiple rushing touchdowns uh, in the same game. So I think given what P 
Petrus did, and given what we saw Alex Padilla do, I don't really want to hear any more of that bench Petrus talk. I didn't want to hear it before, but now I think fans saw at least some sort of solidified proof that Petrus can be the guy. And I thought his accuracy, when given a clean pocket, uh, was such a good thing. And I think we need to talk about this. We'll flip to the insane defensive performance here in a second, Sean. But Iowa's offensive line, what a bounce-back performance they had. This Maryland defensive front was highly touted coming into this game. But Iowa's O-line, I thought, really, really played a solid game. And Petrus had a lot of clean looks throughout the night. And, again, when he's been given that, he makes defenses pay. And that's exactly what he did. Yeah, I think Maryland had two sacks on the game. And, you know, I thought the pressure was really good. Or I thought the uh, the line, like you said, Dave, was pretty good. I was really interested to see them putting in Colby at the at starting that guard again. And, you know, putting Ince and Britt as the backup guys, I think Britt, had a couple of tough plays here and there, but I thought Ince was pretty good. I thought Colby was solid. I thought Shot was pretty good. Yeah, I thought the offensive line was solid. And, you know, we talked about it coming into this game, too, that the tackle positions were really important. I thought Nick DeYoung had a really solid game. I know they mentioned him on the broadcast a couple of times. Mason Richmond, you know, had a couple of plays that might have been blown up. But, you know, for the most part, I thought he was pretty good. So, um and even like I mean Luke Lachey as well uh yeah. you know his blocking downfield the one clip that he had yeah. that you know was really impressive they they put together a really complete game today and you know we were really worried and I know a lot of other people are really worried about the Maryland pass rush coming into this game but you know Iowa was able to stifle him and really set the tone I I'm not ready to be sold on the offensive line yet but I thought this was a really good step in the right direction I mean, we talk about consistency and confidence is the two biggest things we need to see from the Iowa offensive line. Again, consistency. We need to see that going forward and into next week against Penn State. And I mean, Lord knows, Sean, we might honestly have to have two podcasts next week with our Penn State guys as well, just because I think there's going to be so much to dissect about what's going to happen. But let's go to the flip side here, Sean. Iowa's defense. I mean, you know, some people are really freaked out when Tagovailoa led them to that uh, touchdown drive in the first quarter after Iowa put up the field goal. But, you know, I really don't know when people are going to learn about Phil Parker's defense. They thrive at making adjustments. Yes, I think the injury of Dante Demas Jr., by the way, don't look it up, gruesome injury. My prayers out to him because that was – it was very gore. It was just brutal. Um, leading receiver in the Big Ten entering this game. But Iowa's defense, Sean, I mean, six interceptions by six different guys – including the backup Quinn Schulte, Kayvon Merriweather guy in there. I, I don't know if that's his first career pick. I think it is. Um, Dane Belton had a great interception as well. Riley Moss. And my big key, Sean, I said this on, I can't remember if I said it on this podcast or on a couple of radio shows or whatnot. Last year, when Tagavaloa got in trouble in the first quarter, he absolutely shut down after an early mistake. This was the first game where he made an early mistake. And you could just see it after that. I think not maybe not for the first interception, but that second interception, he just looked defeated on the sideline. He didn't look confident. I mean, I, I think it was pretty much an overnight for him when that starts. And I'll say this, Iowa in their first five games has benched four of the starting quarterbacks of the opposing team. And I would argue that the one quarterback they didn't was probably the worst one of the five so far. So incredibly impressive night for Iowa's secondary I mean, it it really doesn't get any better than that. Yeah, and you talk about those quarterbacks, too. It's not like, you know, they're no slouches. I mean, the Power 5 quarterbacks, Michael Penix Jr. was touted as one of the best quarterbacks in the Big Ten coming in this year. Brock Purdy, the same in the Big 12, depending on who you ask. And, you know, Talia Tagovailoa, you know, had probably one of the better 
four game starts this season than any quarterback in FBS. And, you know, now he's what, what was that stat that you retweeted again? Was it like, he's like the most, he has like the most, or he had like one of the least interceptions. Oh, was it the 105 teams? Yeah. Yeah, it was. I, I got to give credit to Jason Starrett of The Athletic. Uh, he said when Friday's game started, 105 FBS players had more interceptions than Tagovailoa. With 12-20 left in the fourth quarter, no player, no FBS player had more interceptions than Tagovailoa. That's, that <laughs> That's absolutely, ridiculous. And you could just see, like, as the game went on, too, like, Talia's a really emotional player. And the guy in the mm-hmm. broadcasters were talking about it constantly, how he wears his emotions on his sleeve and whatnot. But you could just see his body language, like just be absolutely depleted. And, you know, on the Maryland sideline too, just as the game lines, like, what are we going to do? Like, how are we going to stop these guys? And, you know, a lot of the national people too bring up the luck factor when it comes to defense and interceptions. But, you know, a lot of people are saying on Twitter, like, when does it become just like Iowa just is able to force turnovers? And just do it at a really high clip because Talia yep. came into this game as one of the top, you know, most efficient passers in the nation. And, you know, he made him Iowa made him look like, you know, an FC or a D2, D3 quarterback that is just getting his first college experience. Yep. And he's just out there just to be out there. So really just a solid performance up and down. I mean, you know, looking back on that first drive, too, with, you know, Iowa's been prone to give up a couple of big plays within the zone and the soft spots of the zone. But once Iowa was able to, you know, game plan and adjust and Maryland tried to maybe get a little too risky with some of their passes, Iowa was able to take advantage and, you know, get those turnovers. And that's all you can ask for. I think, you know, like you said, I think people do recognize Iowa's ability to force turnovers. But like you said, I, I agree again. I know we got in this discussion a couple of weeks ago, but they talk about the luck aspect of it. Luck only comes when you're prepared for everything and anything, that's exactly what this Iowa defense is. It's a Phil Parker specialty. I got to give a hat tip off to a 24 seven sports is Brandon Marcello, who wrote a column this week about the top coordinators in college football and five guys who've been, you know, pretty disappointed. And I think that, let me find the exact quote here. Cause I, I really liked what he said. He just said, look, the young coaches might dominate the conversation as rising star, but Parker has been dominating teams much longer than anybody on the list. I mean, again, Iowa guys, I mean, Sean, the last two recruiting classes, Iowa has not really landed their top guys in the recruiting processes for defensive backs. I mean, these are guys who are, you know, they had some nice offers, but these are guys that are under-recruited and Phil Parker's science of teaching them angles, running the zone scheme you know, really developing their eyes. I mean, their eyes are always on the quarterback. Their eyes are always ball hawking, no pun intended. It's not lucky. Iowa can just get this done. And I'll say this too, you know, entering this game, Sean, Iowa had 70 interceptions dating back to the start of the 2017 season. They nearly had 10, you know, 10% of that 70 tonight if they would have gotten seven interceptions. I mean, it was absolutely ridiculous what we saw tonight. So again, hat tip off to Phil Parker. I think this Iowa defense, I really don't know much more how much they really need to prove. I don't think they need to prove anything at this point. And I think it's worth noting that Iowa's lean tackler and I only had five tackles. And I think the big turning point for me, Sean, we got to talk about the second quarter. Again, when Dante Demas went down, I think you and I kind of saw it, looked at each other or texted each other and said, you know, this might be that that's going to be the turning point of the game. While that is true, Iowa continue to take advantage of every opportunity. Iowa had the ball for more than 12 minutes in that second half. 
I mean, second quarter, Sean, and they scored 31 points while gaining only 97 yards. And of the nine plays Maryland ran, I believe five were penalties and four were turnovers in that second quarter. I mean, I, you're really not going to see a much more dominating quarter than what Iowa did in that second quarter. And I think it all stems back to Iowa's offense just as a whole. I don't want to hear about the 20-play drive against Kent State being the best offensive drive that Iowa's had this year. A couple of their first half drives I thought were absolutely phenomenal. No negative plays, no real bad impact plays, just constantly moving the chain and constantly showing and doing different things. Yeah, I mean, there was you, – you hit on the head too with the offense. I mean, even Arlen Bruce having a big game, I thought him – being out there in the last two weeks too, it's just been really huge to see the confidence of these younger guys grow and, you know, just establish more weapons. And, you know, I was really intrigued to see how Iowa started out the game because they were throwing the ball nonstop. I think the first two drives, I think maybe the first seven or eight plays were all pass plays. And, you know, when do you really see that? So it was kind of cool to see just the different looks, the different sorts of, you know, ways of going about it and, you know, potentially keep Maryland on their toes and, you know, maybe throw them off a little bit. Now I'm very intrigued to see how that goes in the next week too. I think that's going to be really fascinating against Penn State. I think, you know, I do – it's kind of funny that uh, this – about this from this aspect of Sean to go special teams. This was one of the only games where Torrey Taylor's family could have watched him play live and Torrey Taylor really didn't have to do anything tonight. (laughs) <laughs> so because remember his family was over in Australia so it's just kind of a funny thing there uh Terry Roberts I, you know I I think he's proved that he's going to be more than a special teams player but he's also a guy where you talk about he's exactly what you want in special teams I mean the way he flies down the field on kickoffs and on punt returns and what he makes happen I mean he's I would argue he's one probably the best cover special teams player in the country. I've never seen a guy do what he has done on a consistent basis. Caleb Shudak knocks in three, three field goals. And I think Shudak, you know, for as much as people, you know, Keith Duncan was phenomenal, Sean. I think there's no two ways about that. And Kirk's always maintained the fact, you know, Shudak's very close to Keith. Like we're, we're feeling good about both guys. I think Caleb Shudak continues to show that, you know, he, he might've been hand in hand right next to uh, right next to Keith Duncan. So it was a really all around solid performance. Again, I think it was Iowa's most well coached game of the year. I think it was their best game plan of the year. And I think Spencer Petras turned a lot of heads, maybe not just in the Iowa fan base, but the big 10 conference tonight. And I all say this too about Tyler Goodson. Yeah. You would have liked to see the running game get going a little bit more, but there are a couple of positives to take away from Ivory Kelly Martin. I mean, that's a huge bounce back game for him, not fumbling the ball. He had a 27 yard run that he shook off a few tackles, nearly got it in the end zone. And I think he ended with, let me pull up my stats here again. Ended with 62 yards on eight carries, averaging eight yards a carry. I, you love seeing that out of him. And I think really getting Tyler Goodson going in the receiving game as well. I mean, remember that one, the first, first catch they had, not the 67 yarder, but the other one, that was an NFL caliber catch. That was a very difficult catch, found a way to make it work, continue to move the chains. And I think, you know, you find your way, oh, find a way to get the ball to your playmakers in space. And that's exactly what Iowa did tonight. I loved using, seeing them use Arlen Bruce a little bit more. I was very curious if they were going to use the Wildcat because of how much people have been talking about that. I think he'll make an appearance next week against Penn State. But I, I think I like what you said too, Sean. Iowa broke tendencies. It wasn't the typical Iowa football team. They went out, they threw the ball, 
And I think for the first time, Sean, all season and maybe a long time, they trusted Spencer Petrus's arm to get the job done. And he, and with a clean pocket, he showed exactly why, you know, not that they should be a pass attack offense or pass first offense, but they don't have to hesitate putting the ball in Spencer Petrus's hands and letting him go do what he wants to do. Yeah, this was, I mean, I could just see Brian Ferentz, like, you know, not obviously the main focus is the football team and not as much the outside noise, but I could see him just thinking to himself and kind of smirking, um, just, you know, thinking about some of the reactions of people that, you know, have kind of doubted him in the past. And, you know, there's still a lot to go, still a lot of season left, still a lot that this offense could accomplish, but this was definitely a huge step in the right direction that, you know, not a lot meant, not many people expected um, on Friday night. I think there's a lot to look ahead to. I mean, it, it was one of those things too, Sean, where the game got so out of hand that Iowa willingly played its third string quarterback in the final few minutes in a big 10 conference game. Like, I just don't know when you, when you really see that we got to see LaShawn Williams a little bit. Uh, we got to see the true freshman. I think you, you tweet out that Bo Stevens got his first career snaps tonight too. Didn't you? Yes, I did. Yeah, Bo Stevens, you know, he was a highly talented guy as well. You like seeing that. Uh, Charlie Jones had a tremendous catch. Nine different receivers caught passes tonight. And, uh, again, an all-around good performance. Iowa held the ball for 39-10 compared to Maryland's 20-50. Uh, Maryland, seven turnovers. Iowa scored 24 points off that. Iowa's defense did not generate a sack tonight, but when you get six interceptions and four, seven turnovers, you're going to live with that. I think the biggest – thing Sean for me is nine penalties for 63 yards against the Penn State team that's going to be very hungry and that is explosive you're going to want to cut that down but again I think things just sort of snowballed out of you know out of control for Maryland but Iowa just uh they capitalized and it's gotten to the point now where Phil Parker's defense just sits back and says get what you want we're going to wait for you to make a mistake because the second you put up a 50-50 ball and you're going to make a mistake we're going to be all over it because that's exactly what they've done. So like you said, I, I think they, I think at this point, it's kind of expected that they can keep the, like the turnover rate up as high as it is. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt in my mind. And, you know, it's going to have to carry over into these next couple of games because Penn State, while, you know, maybe not as potent as Maryland was in the first four games, they got a couple of really good receivers. Um, you know, Purdue, if David Bell is healthy, um, they just need to keep it up. And yeah, I know Wisconsin struggled a lot, but, you know, you always have to bring it in that game regardless. So, you know, there's still a lot of opportunities, but, you know, I feel like week to week or, you know, after the first two weeks, I felt like, you know, felt a lot better about this team. You know, Kent State, Colorado State, you know, you kind of still feel a little weary, but after this game, it's kind of like, wow, like this team really can make something happen. Like, honestly, I know it's Maryland. I know, you know, I think the 4-0 record, nah, I wouldn't say it was a fluke, but – I don't think they were as good as 4-0. And, yeah. But, I mean, that's what good teams do. They come in and, you know, they dominate. And that's what Iowa did. Obviously, it started out a little slow. But, you know, the domination from the second quarter on was just that you can't make that up. That's just – that goes a long way. A couple stats, uh, courtesy of ESPN Stats and Info, they just tweeted out, Iowa 4-7 turnovers. That's its most takeaways in the game in the last 25 seasons. Iowa now leads the country with 15 takeaways and 12 interceptions on the year, that, which is kind of ridiculous, Sean, because Iowa could have no turnovers the rest of the year and still average at least one interception a game in the regular season. Uh, another one is Iowa's 37-point win 
is its largest AP. It's its largest win in the AP poll era since 1936 against a team that entered the game four no or better. So, I mean, like you said, people can kind of, I mean, I was kind of hesitant about Maryland's four no record. I mean, yeah, there was a nice win against West Virginia. I kind of like to throw those first game of the years away, Sean, because I, you really don't see what a true team is in the first week. Then they beat Howard, they beat uh, Kent state and they beat Illinois on a last second field goal. So wins are wins. There's no doubt about that, but I was never really sold on this Maryland team. I'm not convinced you were either. I was surprised to see how many people actually were, uh, but next week it's going to be legit. I was chance to be bowl eligible. And, you know, if they do beat Penn state, I was probably got one of the best resumes in the country. And I think if they beat Penn state, that's when you kind of, you know, your eyebrows raise and, you know, you're kind of thinking, okay, this could be one of those years. This could be one of those years for Iowa where they make a, a Rose Bowl push, uh, maybe more. I Obviously, the game against Wisconsin will be a bloodbath. Nebraska, I actually think, is playing pretty decent football right now, especially on defense, what they've been able to do. So, uh, I guess, Sean, any final takeaways? I mean, it was just an all-around dominating performance for Iowa. I think after the sluggish game against Colorado State, I think the Colorado State game basically served as a wake-up call that they were not going to overlook Maryland. Yeah, and I think not this game, but I think if Iowa gets the win against Penn State next week, I think you can really consider Iowa to be a top four. I think you're, they're really in the conversation of being the top three, top four team in the country. Um, I mean, am yeah. I wrong on that? No, and I think, I, again, I think the thing about Iowa, too, is their defense continues to be consistent but you see the offense kind of steadily climbing like the second half against Colorado state. I think we really saw flashes of what the passing offense can do, but then it raised the question, okay, can they do that in the big 10? Will that carry over? And I love, again, I, I love Brian Ferentz coming out extremely aggressive. Again, they didn't get any points in that first drive, like you said, but after that first drive, you're thinking, okay, they're going to be free flowing all night. Now, whether they win the game at that point, you don't know, but you're thinking, okay, the offense is going to be there. And, I mean, once Iowa got up, what, 24-7, I didn't tweet it because I didn't want people freaking out saying I'm jinxing it, but it, it was a wrap. Iowa teams and the Iowa defense was never going to blow that big of a lead. But I, I agree with you. I think if Iowa beats Penn State, I think they have to move into discussion with Georgia. And now I'm not going to put them in Alabama tier. I'm not saying they're that. But I'm saying as far as the rankings go, they need to move up to probably number three in the country. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you 100%. So we'll have plenty of post-game content up at HawkeyeInsider.com. I already have our game recap up. This could be up shortly. I know Sean's got a couple of things coming. And tomorrow morning we'll have uh, more game stories and complete coverage of Iowa's big, big Friday night win on national television. Again, I think it was a big deal on from a national perspective too, Sean, the only Power 5 matchup in the country tonight. Um, but we'll be back in a couple of days. We'll, uh, it's going to be an absolutely loaded week. With Penn State on deck, if Penn State takes care of Indiana tomorrow, there's going to be a top five matchup in Iowa City, Iowa. Uh, Fox Big Noon kickoffs could be there, and we'll see what happens with college game day, Sean. I think that they're really going to have a serious decision to make if Penn State wins. So be on the lookout for that. And uh, for the second time this year, you know, the epicenter of college football is going to be in the state of Iowa, but this time Iowa City, Iowa. So Follow us on Twitter at David Eichel, at SBOC247, at Hawkeyes on 247. Stay tuned to HawkeyeInsider.com. If you like the podcast, be sure to rate it five stars on iTunes. Be sure, sure you are subscribed. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Signing off, David Eichel, Sean Bach, HawkeyeInsider.com.